I'm stoked to be able to preach this morning. Hey, if it's your first time at church here or if you're relatively new to faith, um, just know that you can find hope here. Uh, that this is family, that this is a home, um, that if anything, you can belong before you can believe. Uh, but just know that, you know, if you're whatever kind of background you may be from, like this is a church that exists so that you can connect. Uh, and so we hope that you could uh, enjoy yourself and uh, get, get, come along, keep coming along because it's a great church. And uh, it's, it's great to be here. Um, if you haven't necessarily received this Jesus that we've been talking about already, then uh, I want to let you know, we're going to give you an opportunity at this end of this service to actually get to know the Savior that we talk about. Um, but understand, that, again, that you are welcome here. So good to be in church this morning. If you've got your Bible, feel free to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going a little bit old school today. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I love the Old Testament. So good. You've got so much gold in it. By the way, young people, we'll get to know the Old Testament. Okay? Seriously, it's some, some great stuff in there. Um, just to kind of get, provide a little bit of context, we've up until this point, we find uh, we're talking about an, a character named David, and we find uh, the King Saul at the time. He's kind of like, you know, been a little bit naughty, uh, and he's kind of passed his expiry date to some extent. Um, and then the Lord had um, decided to send a prophet to go anoint a new king. The new king that we know of is uh, David, the shepherd boy. Um, David, the shepherd boy who, um, you know, at one point in time had to go deliver food to his brothers, um, whereas his brothers were actually on the army as part of the army who were fighting against the Philistines. And so he goes to the army, has a little bit of argument with his brothers, as you do, sibling rivalry. Hello. I got an older sister too, bro. I get it. Um, but 40 days and 40 nights, they're, they're faced up against each other for 40 days and 40 nights. And um, the brothers get mad at David because of all that, for him kind of leaving the sheep along. But David turns up in his scene and he hears Goliath talking smack about his God. What I love about it is that he steps into the scene. And so we pick it up in verse 32. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. You are only a teenager. You are only a kid from high school. Does anybody see where I'm going with this? And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said that Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Come on, somebody. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. My favorite verse in verse 37, it says, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I don't know if you heard me this morning, but the same Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion and from the poor of the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. I don't think you're still getting me, church. The same God that rescued me out of this situation when I had no money in my bank account, the same God who rescued me out of this situation when I didn't know how I was going to pay the mortgage, the same God who rescued me out of this situation when nobody else cared to know who I was, when God rescued me from this one, He can rescue me from that. Come on. I want to sow on not necessarily a message this morning, but really want to speak life into your culture. Understand that David was a man that the Bible talks about how man after God's heart, but he was also a man who knew how to change an atmosphere. 
And if we're going to do anything this morning, if we're going to learn anything, I think we need to walk away understanding what it means to protect our passion. The Bible also says in Proverbs 4, to protect your heart. Some version says for the wellspring of life. Um, and it talks about how for us, the reason why it sits there is because our heart's full of emotions, right? Hearts full of emotions. See, I think we have a generation growing up who's just, you know, I see every single, you know, one out of three movies these days. It's like, girl, follow your heart. What, is, what does your heart say about him? <laughs> just, just follow your heart, girl. Your heart will tell you what's right. No, it won't. <laughs> You're full of emotions. We're human beings. It's full of feelings. No, you got to lead your heart. you got to protect your heart. Come on, somebody. And I think in moments like this, we find David, a man who's after God's own heart, right? The Bible says. And then he's in a position where he could either retreat or advance. And it was because he had a habit of protecting his heart, protecting his passion, he knew how to move forward. Amen. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to kind of separate our faith from our feelings or our, our passion from our preferences. Sometimes we get it confused. But I like David because of this, because he understood. Okay, okay, let me put it this way. Um, I have been a day one Warriors fan since way back. And I get really annoyed at all these little bandwagon followers who kind of just jump in because they won like, you know, the first few games of the season. But how many know I was there when we were at the bottom of the table? <laughs> any, any rugby league fans here? Okay, not a lot. Great. All right. What about Hurricanes fans? Yeah. Okay, not that lot either. Blues fans. <laughs> Just me. See what I mean? Though? I'm day one. Let's go. <laughs> day one. But my point being is like, I, I love the fact that in sports environments, we can be so passionate. We can still be passionate about our team, even though they're losing, even though they're defeated, even though they, you know they're never going to win ever again because they're just not that great. But I remember playing sports, one of my favorite things growing up, and then I remember being in first 15, and um, one of the guys on my team, uh, he was, there's always that one guy, you know, that one guy who just knows how to rock everyone up, you know? You know, the guy who's just like, sort of sparked the team up, you know, it took me a little while to be that guy, but there was another guy, all right? There was this guy, his name was Matt. And then every time we'll get in the change rooms, whether we're losing or whether we're winning, didn't really matter. Actually, didn't matter what the result was. Halftime speech, hello. Jumps in halftime. He's like, boys, man, come on. And you know, he just started, he starts fueling the passion for us to have a purpose to win. You see what I'm saying? And so those kind of people, right? We need those kind of people in our life. See, I think David was that kind of a person. The kind of a person who, who actually understood what it means to breed passion into an atmosphere. Do you actually understand that your passion matters? That's why it's important for us to protect that your passion will always affect the atmosphere that you're in. One thing we've got to understand, though, just a little disclaimer, is that some of us think that passion is the personality type. We go through, you know, the spiritual gifts test, doing a growth check thing, and we think, oh, no, exaltation, not my gift, so therefore I'm not a passionate person. Really? Are you sure? See, I don't, I don't get that. Passion is not narrowed down to a personality type, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, whatever kind of vert you like to call yourself, all right? I don't care what it may look like. It's not restricted to a volume level either. No, I'm loud because I'm just loud. That's just, that's just the way God made me. My wife gets upset about it. But 
It's not. It's more than that. Passion is a spirit. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power. Power. Power to do what? Power to keep going when you don't feel like it. Power to keep pushing through the hard struggles. Power to keep believing even though other people tell you otherwise. Power to know that you can still win at the end of the day even if you feel like you're losing. Does anybody know the kind of power I'm talking about? I'm talking about the same power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in you. I'm talking about the same power that when you receive Christ into your life, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's always in you. It's always there. In fact, if God promises he never will leave us. Question is, is how much are we protecting it? Because I think it's our job to whether we protect it or not and keep it alive. My pastor said this, don't leave home with the, the power of, without the power of supernatural passion. It's the number one reason why people don't succeed. Because good ideas ain't enough. Thank you, Pastor Martin Steele. But understand, David knew this. David knew this. He knew he needed passion to push through. He knew it. In the chapter before that, we find him getting anointed. He, he's being chosen to be the next king. First of all, he wasn't even in the room. Wasn't even in the room. He was out hanging out with the sheep. He was out hanging out with the sheep, out in the car park, doing the job that no one else wants to do. Can you imagine how his brothers would have felt? Who the heck do you think this guy is? Little, little boy. But his dad didn't even want him in there. So then the prophet just goes through the line, you know, of all the different brothers. Not you, big, strong, still too dumb. All right. Then you go to this one, it's like smart, intelligent, too cynical. Goes to this one, all the swag, look really cool. You know all the words, you're slick, dude, you're slick, you're slick, but you're almost too slick for me. All right? You know, he goes through all the list of the brothers. Any, any guys, where's, do you have another one? Where's the other one? And we, we know in the story, it says, and, and then, um, you know, God says, you know, man looks at the outside appearance, but God looks at the heart. We understand that. So, you know, God's always looking for the right people who can protect their passion, who can protect their heart because he wants to use them for a greater degree than what you actually think you can do. How do you know if you're passionate about something is when you continue to do stuff that you don't get paid to do. Whether if they gave you a paycheck or not, you would still do it. Whether, whether you get compliments or not, it wouldn't necessarily faze you. You know, your passion should not be dictated by the praises of other people, but it should only be dictated by the purpose of what God has called you to. That's why we got to protect it, folks. That's why in just one moment, just one moment, just as much as passion can come in in a time of worship, it can also leave in one moment. One moment of indifference make you want to question whether you married the right person. What one, one email from a certain colleague makes you want to leave your whole career that you've been building your life upon. One moment of self-doubt to make you wonder whether God actually called you anymore. We can easily confuse our passion with our feelings, church. You think David wasn't scared? 
Come on, seriously? I feel like sometimes we read the Bible and we just dehumanize the whole thing. Like, you think he wasn't scared? Surely, I reckon he was like, when he said that, how you come at me with a sword and a javelin, I come at you, the Lord God Almighty. I think he was like, God, you better come through. You better come through, God, because I'm running my mouth here. Like, I'm talking a lot of smack. You better, you got my, you, you got me? All right, all right, you know, but like when we actually look at the story, can, can, we, can we just for one second just remember that David was him? Can we remember that he was just a young dude? Can we remember that? And then we, he, uh, we, we go past the story and, and we find him coming up to the army and he's, he hears Goliath talking smack. He hears him talking about it, but yet he decides to move forward. In the, in the moment of questioning, what does he do? Because, he, you know, in that same moment, he would have been doubting. He, he reminds himself of praise reports. Reminds himself of what God had already done at camp. Reminds himself of what the things that he's done at conference last year. Reminds himself of the miracle that happened when you knew that God had come through for you because there's no way anyone else could have come through for you like that. You know the kind of thing I'm talking about? He reminds himself the same poor, I mean the same Lord that rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear. We're rescuing me from this Philistine. It's, I was talking about the, the poor of the Lord, you know, just come in and protect us, you know. <laughs> you like that one, Grace? <laughs> but understand, I, I understand that sometimes we can find ourselves when we feel like our passion is out of place. Where perhaps you feel like you're, you know, you're passionate, you're almost too passionate for the area that you're in or that you're serving in or the, the work environment that you find yourself in. And I remember there was a time where I almost, you know, felt too passionate for the place I was in. But I love this story because David was a shepherd of a few sheep, but he was also ended up being a king of a large nation. I think there's a pattern here. You know what I'm saying? You know, I didn't always have a microphone. Didn't always have a microphone, no. Didn't always have crowds, no. Didn't, but I had passion. Same passion I speak to you on stage and when I lead worship is the same passion I talk to a small group of interns, a little small group, a life group, you know, just one person. The same passion I have to actually go after one person and have a conversation, to send one text. Man, my wife gets annoyed at me because I take forever to send an encouraging text because I'm putting my heart and soul into that thing, you know? I'm just like trying to like get every word right. Why? Because I'm really, I believe I'm prophesying to this person. So I'm like, you know, she's like, can you just send the text already? You know, I was like, girl, do you really? my process here like I'm trying to hear from the Lord and you know really communicate through this means you know I was like girl stop tripping <laughs> but understand that David's passion changed an entire atmosphere and it wasn't necessarily dictated by a crowd because we understand that he developed passion when it was a small group of sheep and so he walks up into the scene, a scene, by the way, he wasn't actually supposed to be in. And he, for 40 days and 40 nights, the army's standing here, not advancing. An army standing here. Um, a so-called mighty army. An army. Not one person. An army of people for 40 days and 40 nights with the mindset of defeat, with a mindset of not wanting or willing to actually move forward or in advance any further because they're intimidated by what was in front of them. 
An army for 40 days and 40 nights did not move anywhere. An army under the rule of King Saul. Under a certain person's leadership. An army that had stood still. An army that wasn't going anywhere. I'm going somewhere with this. An army that had stood there for 40 days. 40 days. How long has that thing been in your heart? How long have you been holding on to the thing that God called you to do? How long have you been in that career where you felt God actually tell you to talk to that person in your workplace that you still haven't talked to? How long have God given you that dream to fulfill, but yet you're still yet to take that courage to actually go do it? 40 days, 40 nights, they stood there without moving forward. Don't think for one second that God couldn't replace you. Don't get too comfortable. I feel like some of us sometimes, especially even myself, we get stuck in our ways where we almost disimmobilize ourselves from even moving forward, moving forward into what God has called us to do, moving us forward to actually you know, to overcome you know, the enemy, to overcome their sense of doubt, overcome their sense of non-confidence, overcome their sense of uh, feeling like I'm never going to make it anymore, feeling like, nah, this is all that God has for me. You know, I've already seen miracles before. He hasn't got any more left for me. Come on, somebody. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 40 days, 40 nights. Okay, maybe some of it, that's not, maybe for that's not all of us here, but I think most times it's not the fact that we lose passion, but it's the fact that we probably misguide passion. Where we become passionate only about our preference. You know, when, when you only lift your hands on certain songs. Or you only worship like freely when a certain worship leader's on. Or you only really kind of like, you know, you know, look like you're into the whole worship thing when Pastor Helen's like, you know. Pastor Helen's fire, man. Come on, somebody. You get what I'm saying? When you only move and it's a song that you like. You don't like, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay, how about this one? Um, you switch off when, when, when the giving comes. When they talk about the offering on the video. Start scrolling on your phone. Oh, I'm doing push away. No, you're not. You're on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> or you switch off when it's a preacher that you don't like. Not necessarily your style, your preference of how you want to receive. Oh, it's funny. I don't think God was a God of preference. I, I just made a decision in my life. It doesn't matter how it comes. It doesn't matter what it's wrapped up in. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You know, I'm going to open up my heart because I want to receive. I want to receive from the Word of God. I want to receive because the same Spirit. Come on. But I understand, I understand it could be in a job that perhaps you don't even like. And it's hard to relate to some messages like this because you're trying to figure out, yeah, I hear you talking about passion. I hear you talking about connecting to purpose. I hear all of this, but I'm in a job and I'm questioning why am I here? I don't understand this. Why did God put me here? I don't enjoy this. I remember what it was like being a, you know, one of my first jobs was a hotel concierge. Hello. Carrying a bit of bags. Let's go. Open up a few doors. Park a few nice cars, by the way. Um, never scratch any of them, promise. Um, but you know, I remember that. And I used to have, be full of passion. Why? Because it wasn't necessarily about the fact that I was on minimum wage. It wasn't about the fact that people didn't really care or give me a tip, by the way. Like, we're on the hustle game. Like, when you're on minimum wage, we're just like doing everything for that tip. Oh, man, I'll take your bag, sir. What else do you need? You need a cup of tea? You need a coffee? Come on, I got you. Call me. You know, anything you need. You know? But, um, 
You see my point though? That it doesn't necessarily matter what, what your scene may look like. Passion, it still matters. Your heart still matters. We still need to protect that passion. Is this making sense? You don't feel like your life counts for something? Can I challenge your thinking? Can I challenge your thinking? They didn't even know his name, church. They, King Saul didn't even know who he was. The Bible even refers to him multiple times as the shepherd boy or the one who tended the sheep. They didn't know he was good at doing that thing. They didn't know he, he could be a king. They didn't know that he could run that business. They didn't know that he could lead worship. Is this making sense to anybody? Is this helping anybody this morning? They didn't know who he was. They didn't. He didn't. He was put out of field. He was put out of the field when everybody else was on the table. Doing a job that probably most slaves would actually do. But yet Jesse decided to send his son out to do the job. But it's a job that he found hope in. A job where he learned what it meant to love God. A job where he developed his love for the Father. How do I know this? Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. Oh, it sounds so much better than the New King James. <laughs> Leadeth me by the still waters. Right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Come on, somebody. It was in the field that he learned how to love God. That he learned how to protect his heart. How to protect his passion. Because he knew one day his passion was going to have to matter. He knew it could make a difference one day. He understood that one day he was going to face an army. And he would have to take charge. Why? Because he knew that his passion mattered. He knew that his passion mattered. Want to jump up real quick, Shane? You know, just to kind of help illustrate this. Growing up in church, I've always had two passions in life. And I know for a lot of us, this could be us in the sense where you're always going throughout your life trying to figure out what is, what's this purpose for my life? Because I'm doing this thing, but I really want to do that thing. Which one is it? Sometimes it's not a matter of either or. Sometimes it's a matter of both. Sometimes it's also a matter of season. Because sometimes God wants to do things in seasons. God graces you for certain seasons, right? And so for me, I personally, growing up, I always wanted, and I always struggled with God. It's like, God, which one is it? You, you, I know you've called me to church-based ministry because I've been at camps. I mean, been at kids' church. I remember going to a storm camp when I was young some sort of camp, and just feeling that unction in my spirit where I knew that you called me to, to, to be part of church life. And yet you also made me decently good at this thing. Like, ended up in places and teams that most people would die for. And like, I'm just sitting here wondering, like, why am I here? And I remember, like, it got to a point where I no longer even enjoyed the game anymore. Didn't enjoy playing it. Wasn't the fact that I was being lazy. I just didn't feel that passion anymore. And I was questioning God. I was like, why have you got me here, Lord? What's the whole point? One day it clicked on me. I didn't know when. I can't remember how, but it just clicked. And I realized my passion wasn't wrapped up in the game. It was wrapped up in the person that was running with the ball. Does this make sense? I finally realized that my passion wasn't a game anymore, but it was the person. It was the person behind the game. 
or is the person that I run and uh, talk with? It's the person that I'm in the changing rooms with. It's that person that we actually go to go to war with. It's that person that I know who shares his deepest, darkest secrets with me. It was that person, that person who didn't have hope, that person who didn't know a savior, that person who didn't understand that they had a purpose, the person that needed connection. Come on, somebody. The person who actually needed hope. That was my passion. And I got so caught up in the season that I was in where I didn't understand because so often what we do is that we package God in a box and think that this is all that we're here for. That we think that the season that we're in is the only thing that's going to be our purpose. Can I just say your purpose goes beyond that. It does. It goes way beyond that. And your passion, you need passion to be able to fuel it. Is this making sense this morning? Nice catch, Shane. Turn it back and run it straight. (laughs) But um, we often limit the purpose on our lives based on what we do. Rather than than the person who put it in in the first place. It doesn't matter. First time I ever led someone to Jesus wasn't on a platform, wasn't with a microphone, wasn't at a church environment, wasn't in a small group actually. It was actually in Palmerston North in the rugby dormitory. First 15 camp. A couple of boys coming up to me saying, what's different about you, Sheldon? Why are you so passionate all the time? Why are you always happy? Why are you always lively? Because these other guys who say they're Christians go to church, but there's something different about you, Sheldon. What is it? Well, we know it's different, right? So we go on this journey. We start talking. We start talking, right? I start sharing with them, you know, the reason why I'm different is because I believe in a Savior called Jesus. I believe that there's hope for your life, bro. I believe that you have purpose. And to, I didn't know all the theology in the world. No, I didn't. I was a high school kid. I, I didn't know all the, you know, sermons. No, I just ripped off the same thing that Pastor Manus said the other week. Repeat after me. <laughs> and then in that moment, right there in the rugby dormitory at 9.30 at night, when all the boys are watching pornography, I'm not joking, this is actual real life facts. All the boys are watching pornography. Some of them were actually, were like, you know, kind of like doing a little bit of poker. Um, some of them were like, you know, cussing their mouth off, trying to like say all these different inappropriate things. Some of them doing off, you know, some of them were kind of, I think even drinking even. So in a, in a scene that looked pretty messy was a scene that God could turn around for good. A scene that for 40 days and 40 nights where nothing moved, passion could change the atmosphere and so right then and there they don't wait to say oh no you got to start time before you come to church oh no you got to wait to come to next week and you come next Sunday when Pastor Adam's preaching although you should do that my point being is that you have everything you need the moment you accepted Christ into your life and you accepted the power of the Holy Spirit in you is the moment passion existed inside of you which means that you have everything you need to change an atmosphere around you. Let me finish with this illustration. Every time that I ever lacked passion was usually on the footy field, right? How many know? You know, just looking here, right? I'm not exactly the smallest person in the world, correct? (laughs) Thanks, Grace. (laughs) But I must say, I was pretty decent, all right? And I was pretty lean machine. I'm talking about like, when I was playing footy, I was 35 kilos lighter. I blame my wife. She cooks too much. She loves me too much. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, but I remember like every time I would play footy, didn't matter what 
stadium or park I was in, whether it was Eden Park, Mount Smart Stadium, a local footy park. Sometimes even if it was like, you know, on the other side of the country, I still feel like I heard this voice. But you could guarantee there's always this voice, loud, thundering voice. By the way, was not God, okay? Just to clarify, some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, he hears from the Lord so clearly. No, it actually wasn't. It was a loud voice who was my father, my dad, big Psalm 1 father, okay? And you got to understand, it's like, my dad wasn't part of the team, no, wasn't the coach, no, wasn't part of the staff, no, wasn't a trainer, nothing. The guy was just a parent on the side, okay? All right, I could hear him, didn't have a microphone, wasn't part of the announcement team, but I always heard a voice, and a voice that simply said, get up, Sheldon, get up. Get up. Doesn't matter where I can hear him. In fact, uh, <laughs> so there were times, right, that he would actually come onto the field and pull me out of the game. Not even the coach. Like, who the heck does he think he is? Like, <laughs> he comes up to me and he pulls me aside. He's like, what's wrong with you, Sheldon? What's wrong with you? Are you broken? I was like, well, I feel broken. Are oh, you breaking my spirit here because it's embarrassing me in front of all my friends. It was like, but like, are you still breathing? It was like, barely. <laughs> You're running for like 35 minutes now, come on. He was like, are you still breathing? I was like, yeah, a little bit. He was like, whoa, can you move? I was like, yeah. So then get up. Get up. Get up. You ain't broken. Even if I was, he wouldn't really care. All right, one time I did my knee and he was just like, strap it up and get back on the field alright I never had one of those parents that well done son for participating no 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 I had that parent that was like I don't care if you're broken you get up and you keep playing I don't know about you but I think I came this morning just to remind some of us that we have a God that is calling you from the sideline saying I still believe in you I'm with you I'm never going to leave you I would never forsake you I'm with you get up I don't care what stage of life you in. God's not done with you yet. Well, the same God that brought miracles into your life 20 years ago is the same God that's still working right here, right now. The same God that rescued a whole bunch of kids at storm camp last night. The same God who was going to be with you tomorrow, who's going to be with you next week, who's going to be with you next year. Oh. And that's it. How do we protect it? How we protect it is by cap capturing and taking a hold of it in moments like this. In moments like this when we're in worship, let me ask you a question. What do you need to do in order to protect your passion? Is it, is it lifting your hands and worship a little bit more? Is it maybe memorizing a scripture here or there? Is it coming along to a connect group? Hello, sign up Sunday. I don't, what is it for you? Is it, is it getting alongside a leader saying, I, wanna, I want you to mentor me? What is it for you? What is it for you? Maybe it's just maybe praying for 15 minutes of every day. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's just turning on a little bit of worship music on your way to church or on your way to work, I should say. Because that's where it really counts. What is it for you, family? What is it for you, church? What is it for you? Because passion is already inside of you. It already exists. Passion is not a single person hooking up with the first person that comes to them. That's not passion. No, passion is not. Passion is not being ignorant because you're full of dreams and you just become such an arrogant person. That's not passion. All right, that's called stubbornness. That's what that is. Passion. 
passion. Passion is where my auntie picked up my uncle when he was dying of cancer and washed him down every single night and said, I love you and I don't care what's going on in your life, I'm still here. That's passion. Passion is still believing and praying even if no one left you. Passion is where my Jesus, when Jesus looked down on this earth and saw we needed help, that He came down, He died on the cross, and He even said in the garden, we had a chance to almost take the cup from me. What did He say? For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. I was struggling with what that verse meant. In Hebrews, the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. How was the cross enjoyable? Don't understand that. But now I realize that this right here, Connect Church was that joy. Storm Camp was that joy. You being a Christian at your workplace tomorrow was that joy. He saw this. He saw you. And so therefore, God said, love the world that He gave His only Son. Passion. Protect it. Because it matters. Because it matters. Because it matters. I want to challenge your thinking this morning. And if that's you this morning, if you actually want to, if you feel like you need a revival and passion in your life, I want to invite you to stand up on your feet right now and just begin to receive. Because there's nothing else that we need to get it except from Him. He's the source.